right, welcome to this week in legal blogging for January 7th, 2021, our first episode of the new year. Happy new year to everybody. This is a program in which we talk with leading bloggers from across the legal industry. It's presented by LexBlog, providing lawyers with turnkey digital publishing solutions and strategic consulting for 16 years. You can find out all about it at LexBlog.com slash products. And I am Bob Ambrosi. I am uh, the host of the program. I have my own blog called Law Sites and my own podcast separately called Law Next. I hope you'll check those out. Uh, this show, you can find all of our back episodes, uh, both uh, as podcasts in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, and on YouTube at youtube.com slash LexBlog. Today, I'm very happy to have uh, with us as our guest, Amy Howe. Amy is a co-founder, longtime editor, now a contributing reporter for SCOTUS blog and has her own blog as well. Separate from all that, how on the court. Amy, welcome to the show. Happy New Year. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. You could have said Happy New Year a couple of days ago. I don't know if that even applies. It, yeah. <laughs> we were all so excited about 2021. And, I know it. You it's know, letting it, me down already. As somebody said, I think I saw on Twitter the 13th month of 2020. Yeah, yeah. Like we'll just we'll just call twenty twenty one starting uh, in February or something. But uh, yeah, how are you? How have you been doing? You know, not just since just the last couple of days, but over over the course of this uh, almost a year now that we've been uh, in this crazy situation. You know, I mean, I I cannot complain. You know, we've all been healthy. I have two teenagers, so you know they, they've been. Mostly at home, but their schools are back part time. It's sort of they call it hybrid learning, and mm -hmm. they're much more technically adept than I am. So you know, during the day when they're at home uh, for remote learning, uh, they're they're not requiring a lot of assistance, which is good because I wouldn't really be able to provide it. And then the court, of course, has been remote since May. Uh, right. you know, so covering oral arguments. Uh, the live audio is it, covering them from my kitchen table, you know, in my right. exercise clothes is a very different experience. Yeah. W would you have traditionally been in the press gallery there at the, at the court? And exactly. Exactly. You know, I've had a, had was what, what's called a hard pass now for a couple of years. And so I, you know, I attend all of the arguments that I cover and try to attend as many as I can. And so to, to not be there in person, to be doing it, the, the one that want that you know the, the, try to look for the tiny little things when you can you know, at least I can take notes on my laptop instead of by right. hand you, you get a lot more that way but you know it, yeah. would still much rather be there in person I miss being at, at oral arguments in person and and seeing my colleagues in the press room and seeing the folks in the public information office it's very it's very very different yeah does, is the hard pass the pass that you were not able to get before? Because I remember for a long time, yes. Scotus Blog was, was kind of fighting this battle of trying to get a legitimate press pass to cover the court, and the court wouldn't give it to you. That's right. And in the end, so we, we, were, we were sort of trying to, trying to get one from the court, uh, and then there was a battle with the Senate press gallery, because for a long time, the Supreme Court relied on the Senate press gallery for its credentialing. If you had a press pass from the 
Senate press gallery and you went to the Supreme Court and said that you were a full-time Supreme Court reporter, they would rely on your Senate press pass to give you a, a to give you a Supreme Court hard pass. And we we weren't able to get one for me. Lyle Denniston, who covered the Supreme Court for SCOTUS blog, uh, had one, and then the, the Senate press gallery took it away. Um, there was a whole set of which appeals. is I mean crazy because Lyle is one of the, Lyle, know, one of yes. the most esteemed uh, Supreme Court reporters of all time. Lyle, yes, who will who will be ninety this year. Wow. Um, but so then the the Supreme Court and the Senate press procedures diverged, and so now, based on some changes to the Supreme Court's procedures. Lyle was able to get one, and then I was able to get one. So it makes a huge difference in in our reporting. Yeah, well, you know, the, I mean, the fact that we're even that you're even talking about that uh, underscores how significant this blog, how SCOTUS, SCOTUS blog, has become, uh, and and probably how much it's evolved from from the days when you first launched. I mean, you and you and Tom Goldstein, who are both husband and wife and were law partners, I think, at the time as well, launched this in 2002. Uh, what was the original vision for this? What right. I mean, I think that's right. I think it's a it's a good point. You know, the, the original vision, honestly, was sort of business development. You know, Tom and I were practicing together. It was just the two of us. And we were trying to be a... Supreme Court boutique firm, a very boutique kind of firm, because it was just the two of us. And we hadn't done any of the things who, that people who normally practice before the Supreme Court had done. We hadn't gone to Harvard or Yale or Stanford, and we hadn't clerked at the Supreme Court, and we hadn't worked in the Solicitor General's office. And so the way that we thought we might be able to build up some business was by starting this blog that showed off how much we knew about the Supreme Court. And it turned out to not actually be that effective of a business development tool, but that was really what it was at the beginning. You know, if you, it's hard to find some of the early posts on the internet, but if you right. could find them, they would say things like, "Here, you know, here's the petition for certiorari that we just filed, and here's why it's so great." Um, and and over the years, yeah. it kind of evolved into more of a, you know along the lines of what it is now a, of a public resource. And now we've got, I, I'm not practicing law at all. Um, Tom is really, uh, he's, his title is the publisher, but he's really involved involved in this sort of 35,000 foot decisions. Yeah. Um, and we you know, have, have a pretty strict wall between stuff that Tom and his firm do and the coverage. So people who are working at the firm don't, you know, write about the cases. I don't write about the firm's cases. We bring in somebody, you know, the SCOTUS blog brings in somebody else to cover those cases. You know, try to try to be like any other journalistic news site. Yeah. You know, I, I remember I back around the time that you guys uh, launched it, uh, I was at the, I was the editor of the National Law Journal back around then, and Tom used to write a column for us. Uh, I don't know if you ever contributed to that at all, but it was called Circuit Splits, circuit and he would splits. kind of look for look for the uh, splits among the circuits that were likely to make their way to the Supreme Court. And uh, I don't know if that was sort of a, a, in some way a predecessor for the for the blog at all, but it was uh, it was a great column. Uh, and uh, how did how did it? How did it kind of evolve from that marketing thing to the media thing that it became? 
Sure. It was sort of a gradual at first. You know, I think part of it was we realized that it was not a particularly effective business development tool. And then why wasn't it, do you think? I wonder why that was, because so many people think blogs are such great business development tools. I, I wonder why it wasn't working that way. I think there's a couple of different things going on. I mean, I think part of it is, you know, the way that people, you know, the Supreme Court world is, is very small, that the universe of cases at the Supreme Court is quite small. And, you know, the people who are making decisions about whether to hire Supreme Court lawyers aren't going to necessarily do it on the basis of blogs. Like, mm-hmm. You know, let's be honest. Um, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty competitive environment in terms of trying to get Supreme Court cases. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, once that, once we realized that, and also we brought on in Scotus blog, Scotus blog brought on Lyle Denniston, um, you know, who was a, you know, a true, true grit reporter. Um, and he wasn't going to stand for, for anything less than sort of the same journalistic standards he'd been applying for the first 50 years of his career. Right. Yeah. But but at that point, you, I mean, you remained editor till fairly recently, right? Till, what was it, 2016 or something? Yeah. Right? So my yeah. title was editor until Lyle retired uh, in 2016. And I did some reporting, uh, you know, as the editor covering some of the cases that Lyle uh, didn't want to cover, um, and then covering some of the cases that Lyle was covering using in for what we called the plain English feature. Um, and then when Lyle, and I'm going to put retired in air quotes here, um, in back in 2016, then I became the blog's full-time reporter uh, as an independent contractor and as Lyle had been, and then uh, we hired an editor. Scotsblog hired an editor, Edith Roberts, who was a you know practicing lawyer, and uh, had clerked for then Judge Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, Edith worked for Scotsblog for four years, and then uh, she actually stepped down this year. Uh, and Scotsblog hired a new editor, James Ramoser, who's uh, again a practicing editor, practicing lawyer turned reporter yeah so what is that the entirety of your staff i'm looking at your masthead there's you have a masthead like a a, a traditional publication would you have other people listed there who who is writing for scotus blog at this point who's who's part of the team so you know the there are a couple of so james and then cal goldie who is a relatively recent college graduate is the blog's manager and so he uh, and uh, works a, you know, a lot of sort of the both substantive and sort of making the trains run on time parts of the blog, you know, does some writing for the blog, you know, make sure that we have authors for different posts and, you know, works, works with James on the calendar. Um, usually there's, we're in, we're in a transition right now. The deputy editor is someone who also works at, Goldstein and Russell, Tom's law firm, um, doing administrative tasks. And we're in a transition right now. Uh, Katie Bart held that job until recently, also a recent college grad. So there's really only a couple of people who work for SCOTUS blog, you know, either full-time or as an, as an independent contractor, full-time. Um, and then you start to have sort of a, 
a cast of regulars who write for the blog a lot but have day jobs. People like John Elwood, who does the Relist Watch column. Um, Andrew Hamm, who is a former blog manager now in law school, who keeps track of all of the petitions. Um, Ron Collins, who does book reviews. Steve Ramil, who writes the law students column. Um, then you start to have people who, uh, Amanda Frost, who does scholarship. And then you have people who, uh, law professors and lawyers, you know, the Supreme Court has their dockets, not that big, um, but it's still more cases than I can cover. And so there are also lawyers and law professors who uh, have particular areas of expertise who cover, you know, cases at the court that I do not cover. So, you know, there's a Columbia law professor named Ronald Mann who covers a lot of bankruptcy, securities law cases, ERISA cases, um, stuff like that. Yeah. How, how long did it take you to kind of get the formula right in terms of how, what you wanted the, the, the whole blog or website or whatever you want to call it to be? Because I, I remember it's certainly over the kind of the first decade uh, up into, uh, um, you know, I don't know, 2012 or so, there were a couple of different times you changed the format of it. And and I think you originally started as a blogger blog and then went on to right, WordPress right. and kind of moved and experimenting with different ways of, of presenting the information and organizing it. Uh, is that still a work in progress or, or, or have you kind of come down with a formula that you're happy with there? I think it's still a work in progress. I have one person I left out is uh, Katie Barlow, who's, our, who's the one that we're, we're doing a lot more since Katie arrived at the firm with social media. You know, so not just yeah. Twitter, but, you know, things like Instagram Live and, um, you know, Facebook Live. So, you know, it is still a work in progress to try and figure out, you know, what we're going to do and how we're going to cover things. And, you know, we, we've had, we have had the last four years no shortage of content. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think, I feel like you can always do it better, not just substantively, but in terms of sort of what the formula is. Yeah. And it must be difficult. I mean, you've got not just news content, but you have really arc, a lot of art. You must have a ton of archival content uh, at, at this point that, that I'm sure has great value in and of itself. I mean, do you in any way try and you know, how, how much is that of that as a part of, of what your audience is, is coming to you for the, the, the sort of the historical aspect as opposed to just the current awareness? I think there is a lot of that, you know, and less so now that the Supreme Court has you know, in the past couple of years, the Supreme Court has gone to electronic filing so that mm -hmm. you know, if you go to a Supreme Court uh, case online, you can now get on the court's docket all of the filings in that case. But for a long time, SCOTUS blog was the one, uh, you know, the, the site that had all of those. You know, if you wanted to, to see all of the amicus briefs in the case and to have links to them, um, you know, the, the joint appendix or whatever, you know, yeah. we, SCOTUS blog started doing that be the place. You know, quite a while before, the, before yeah. the Supreme Court did. And, yeah. you know, some of that, you know, a lot of that, we started, SCOTUS blog started doing that, you know, maybe around 2007. Um, you know, it, it is not all, you know, not all of the links still work 
necessarily, yeah. but right. a lot of it is still there. And so yeah. somebody had, had asked me for something the other day, and, and it, it gets gets much harder to find things uh, yeah. before 2007. Yeah. Um, you know, there there have been uh, points at which uh, you you've really probably uh, really really been at the center of attention. Maybe maybe none so much as when the Obamacare decision was going to come down from the Supreme Court. When sure. it, it seemed like all eyes were on on SCOTUS blog, and I think I read somewhere that you were getting like a, a, a you had like a million people coming to the site at once or in a day or something like that. I forget the exact number. Um, but at, at what point did, did you guys realize that this was, you know, <laughs> this was big, this was something, this had a sort of a life of its own? I think it was the SCOTUS blog or, or the, the SCOTUS blog, decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I still sort of grapple with the idea that, that people read the blog, which is, you know, Considering that I spend all day, every day, you know, seven days <laughs> a week. They do. They do. Trust me, they do. <laughs> um, I think Maybe it probably was, <laughs> was right around then um, that you sort of realized that, wow, it's a, it, it actually is kind of a thing. Um, yeah. And the funny thing is, it, you know, I think because of, you know, part of that, that was sort of the perfect storm. This, it was the last day of the court's term. So everyone knew that the healthcare decision was coming down that day, and you know there was just such intense interest because of the you know the 2012 presidential election, um, and then you know Twitter wasn't as popular then as it is now. You know, we have not had any numbers on any live blog, you know, even remotely close to that um, since then. So it really was like that sort of one moment in time, right. Well, but you've also been in an interesting time because uh, over the time that that this blog has been operating, uh, it's been the same time that some of the traditional sources of coverage of of, of the court uh, have been drying up a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think it, it, it certainly used to be that many more organizations, the media organizations, had people stationed uh, at the court covering reporters stationed at the court covering the court, uh, and and there isn't as much of that anymore. So, uh, I mean, do you think that that's played a role in in the popularity of of, of your blog and in readership of your blog? I think that's right. I think there, you know, it is. Sorry, the there's a fire truck going by. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, the combination that there is not as much, you know, that there are fewer outlets covering, you know, on a day-to-day basis. And so that there are these, you know, you know obviously everybody covers the, you know, what the, the cases that I call the, the, the cases that are going to be on the front page of the New York Times, mm-hmm. but Scottish Blood covers all of them. Right. Um, you know, and then the cases that are going to be, you know, some of the other cases, the cases that are going to be on the front pages of the New York Times or whatever, you know, SCOTUS blog covers them in, in such excruciating detail, you know, not just, you know, my story, you know, my, you know, 1800 to 2000 words on it, which is probably is more a space than a, a lot of other news outlets are going to be able to give it. Um, and then the you know the symposium that follows that Scotus Blog runs after the really big decisions in which people debate it. Um, and then I also think you know there is a you know perhaps because it's all we do, 
um, you know, people from both sides of the ideological spectrum tend to trust us a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Is this, um, I assume this is a business. I mean, do you make, does the SCOTUS blog make money from what it's doing? No. 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 <laughs> does it try to, or is it, it's not, how does it support, um, who pays the staff? I mean, and we all have, we have a, we have a wonderful sponsorship um, from Case Text that, you know, pays salaries, but it is not, it is not something we're going to get rich off of. Uh-huh. You know, we, we, yeah. So what you you said that you're you're not practicing anymore. I, I know that you have argued some cases in the Supreme Court, I believe, or at least been yes. involved in some cases at the Supreme and Court. I, and I know twice. I know Tom certainly uh, has. And yet yet when you started the blog, I, I think neither of you had had any cases at the Supreme Court back in 2002. I may be wrong. I Tom, think I read that. I somewhere. had not. I had not. Yeah. But in 2002, Tom had. Okay. Uh, I had read an interview with him where he said he hadn't uh, yet sure. when he started the blog. Um, so, so did did the, the the growth of the Supreme Court? You're, you're saying that you found it wasn't it didn't kind of work as a marketing thing right away. Did, did you think the blog at any point played a role in the growth of of Tom's practice or your practice, uh, or were they just two separate, two entirely separate things? Yeah. He he would be because he has. I mean, I really have not been practicing um, in a, quite a while, yeah. and you know, certainly not since the blog really took off. Mm -hmm. um, so he'd be much better suited to to weigh in on that. I think yeah. he, but I think you know, I think that <laughs> I think I think less in the sense that I, I think he probably would say that. You know, he couldn't point to a case that he'd gotten because of the blog, but that certainly the blog makes him look, you know, helps make him look good in a way right. that is helpful to his practice. Yeah. yeah. So you also have your own blog, How on yes. the Court, which I it is by my, if I, if I got this right, you launched it in 2015, uh, or at least that's the earliest post I could find on it. Yeah. Um, why did you do that? Why did you want to have your own blog separate from SCOTUS blog? Uh, well, so my press credential through the Supreme Court is for my own blog, oh. Hell in the Court. You know, the Supreme Court, when it uh, started, it, when it did its own rules for press credentialing, uh, made clear that some a blog that is owned by someone who practices at a court at the court, as Scotus Blog is, is not going to get its own press credential. So Lyle Denniston, when he was reporting for Scotus Blog, was an independent contractor who had also had his own blog called Lyle Denniston Law News, which he still operates today. And I have my press credential for my blog, How in the Court. And, and how do you decide uh, what goes where? What are you writing for your blog? What are you writing for Scotus Blog? Yeah. Uh, um, you know, sometimes it's just a question. Sometimes I put, you know, sometimes the content of my blog is perhaps a little more informal um, or, you know, something that just ne wouldn't necessarily, you know, is perhaps a little more sort of forward looking, you know, something 
the cases that are going to be on the Supreme Court's long conference, for example, um, you know, there's not, it just kind of, kind of depends. Yeah. So, so do you, with regard to SCOTUS blog, um, you know, as I say, I've been, in this program, we've been interviewing a lot of uh, legal bloggers. I, I, do you really, do you consider yourself at this point, or do you consider that SCOTUS blog to be uh, a legal blog or a media organization, or or how do you think about it in your own mind as to what it what it actually is? I think we started as a legal blog, thinking of ourselves as a legal blog, but now we think of ourselves as a media organization. And, and what does that mean? I mean, you talked about you know, Lyle, Lyle coming and, and uh, demanding certain standards uh, uh, of, of journalistic professionalism uh, in the organization. Uh, how does how does your thinking about yourself as a media organization in any way affect maybe how you operate, how you cover things? I mean, I think it affects it. And I, I'm not sure necessarily how I would tell you that this, I guess I think of blogs as more opinionated, uh, and I may be wrong, um, but, you know, we try to sort of hold ourselves to the same standards that, you know, the Washington Post or the Times or NPR would, you know, just, it's just that it just so happens that the Supreme Court is our only topic. Yeah. Do you think that there's anything uh, that by virtue of being a blog that you can bring to the table that maybe the New York Times can't uh, in terms of your coverage of the court, that, that a traditional media organization might not be able to? I mean, we are... What exactly do you mean by that? I don't know what I mean. <laughs> I, I was hoping you would know what I mean. I mean, you know, I, I guess I'm just wondering. Do you, do you, do you think that, that you have any advantage or disadvantage other than press credentials, right. I guess, uh, by by being a blog, are you perhaps maybe more nimble, more more able to cover a broader range of topics? Um, there, there's no right answer, and maybe there is no answer. I just I just thought uh, uh, I wondered if you see yourself as pretty much on a par with the other media organizations that cover the court, or if you feel you have some either advantage or disadvantage by virtue of being more of a blog. I mean, I think. Because we are a one, uh, you know, a one-trick pony, so to speak. You know, our our lane is very narrow, but we have saturated it very thoroughly. Yeah. And you know, the people that we that Scottish Blog gets to write, um, you know, are generally you know experts. You know, either lawyers or law professors. Or people who know a lot about the Supreme Court. Yep, I, I, I think it's the advantage. Yeah, have you? Um, is what's have you thought about? Is there a future to SCOTUS Blog? What is the long term future? Do you keep doing it forever? Do you? Does it evolve in some way? Have you thought about that? Yeah, I mean, Lyle is Lyle is ninety, so so he's. I've got I've got a I've got a while before I have to start thinking about. Uh, thinking about that. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so uh, that that uh, you're saying that a lot depends on Lyle, I guess. Is what no, you're I mean I'm just saying. You know, I guess when you're, you know, your your predecessor re re 
retired, you know, at, oh, at the age saying, yeah. of, of 85 yeah. and, and you, you cover, you cover an institution, uh, you know, where middle-aged is, you know, people in their seventies. Um, yeah. I mean, so. Yeah. Um, you're, you know, you're, you're such a, let's go to this blog, I think is such a, a, a unique, um, uh, um, uh, uh, publication in, in, in the world of blogging because it is it really has become uh, more of a, a, a media institution almost uh, in its own way but I, I wonder if you uh, have any thoughts uh, or advice to share on on for others who are blogging on, on what what makes for a good blog what what makes for something that's, that readers are going to want to come to and engage with I think this one of the I guess the couple of pieces of advice of advice that I have. I mean, I think first is, is that I think whatever you write about, it needs to be well-written, you know, to just to keep people coming back to read it over and over again. Um, and then the second thing is that I feel like you can always, it would be to set a relatively narrow lane. You can always widen it. But it's much easier to, you know, cast the net relatively narrowly and do a good job covering that. And then, you know, you can always expand it if you want. And, you know, I feel it's relatively, you know, there are a lot you know, blogging is legal blogging has become a lot more popular. Um, and I know that most people who try to do it are doing it while they have a day job. And it's, you know, it's time consuming to do it. At, you know, we yeah. still have billable hours or, you know, you've got to be in court all day or whatever it is you're doing. Um, you know, there are still, be, perhaps because of that, there are still opportunities to find, you know, these niches to occupy. And then, you know, you, you can become the expert. Yeah. Has, has your writing style evolved over the years of doing this blog? Uh, I think, yes, I, I think it has. Um, you know, I think I, particularly in the last several months, even, you know, I've always tried to write sort of in a plain English style. Um, Scosebug's new editor, James, has really tried to, uh, you know, to get me to punch up my writing a little bit. So, you know, I, I've tried to write in relatively plain English, but, you know, I think was writing still kind of like a lawyer writing in plain English. And, and he's tried to get me to write more like a, a journalist who used to be a lawyer in plain English. <laughs> Does that suggest, I mean, who, who reads, do you know who your readers are? I mean, are you assuming that, uh, they're, uh, largely an audience of, of, of legal professionals or is it a much broader audience, uh, who reads your blog? I think it's a broader audience than that. And, you know, honestly, I think that to the extent that it's a legal audience, it's, you know, it may be people who are, you know, not immersed in the field. You know, some of my friends who are lawyers, but not Supreme Court lawyers who want to know what's going on. You know, if you're a Supreme Court lawyer, you know, you probably are going to go read, you might go read, you know, I'd love to have you read it, but you might go read something else uh, right. that, that's more technical. You know, you know what, what mootness or standing is, 
and you know you don't need me to explain it to you. Yep. Well, Amy, uh, before we wrap up, uh, any other any other final thoughts about blogging or or SCOTUS blog or or uh, anything else that you'd like to share with us? No, thanks so so much for having me. Well, thank you. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you, and uh, talk to you congratulations too. on on many many years of, of great work and great success with Scotus Blog. Uh, and uh, keep going, keep going until uh. you're ninety. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So uh, we have been talking with Amy Howe, who's a co-founder and uh, now a reporter for Scotus Blog, and also author of her own blog, How on the Court. This is Bob Ambrogi, and on behalf of everybody at LexBlog, uh, thanks a lot for watching or listening, however you're consuming this. We hope you enjoyed the program, and uh, we'll be back with another episode of This Week in Legal Blogging next week, so stay tuned.